Laserdisc oh. from from early 1991 to late early 1991. Laserdisc reigns supreme. Okay. If you don't know about that, get the hell out of here. Get, get out, out of here. here. So start, it's a big CD of watch your Star Wars on it. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to another episode of Dungeons and Degrees. My name's Adrian. And I'm Alex. And today we have a returning guest. Skylar, introduce yourself. Hello, I am Skylar, the ADHDM, formerly Skylar, the Dungeonologist. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm back. I recently was a guest host for Mike Shea of Sly Flourish, and that was a blast. But now the spotlight's on me. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. It's sky time. It's sky, it's sky noon. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Oh, no. oh yes. Listen, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> the chaos is starting already. But today, I'm gonna let Skyler introduce the thing because I keep saying the wrong thing every time we talked about it. <laughs> Adrian's tired. But I wanted to talk today about group dynamics. Uh, I have an upcoming video, which at the time of this podcast posting should be uploaded about a time that I got a player invested by going on like a solo side quest. So we're going to talk a little bit about how the people that are present at the table are going to create the sort of rules that you abide by, the social rules, you know, not the not the Jeremy Crawford, Mike Merle's rules <laughs> in the player's handbook. And how mixing that dynamic up, I think, can be a really cool way to unlock some player investment and some new uh, level up your social game. I agree. It's going to be good. When he brought this idea to us, I was like, I don't think I had anything, but it reminded me of my last session where I had to spotlight two people and those two people were the ones that showed up. (laughs) (laughs) um you know having the group versus just the few and how to kind of like make sure they feel important and you know seen and you know understood kind of thing adrian what'd you do for those people was it a different dynamic i mean it it had to be um it was the the guy who doesn't speak much but they end up like doing the best rp very silent type but then just brings out the tears and ready to go and then the analytical guy who knows all the rules and is um, that is that who i think it is oh yeah it's joseph okay (laughs) (laughs) you know who it is i love you joseph i'm gonna kill you joseph Ooh, Ooh. (laughs) fire and ice (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so we had a session where three people didn't show up due to work weddings family plans and just feeling sick so i ended up like i still want to play we hadn't played in two weeks let's do something special so we cleared out some of the background stuff that we did which was like check out my new power what does it do are enemies still around and sending spells to get more information about the world because they didn't want to move on without three players so we did that and then that took like an hour and i'm like okay well, we have Jesse all two, and I woke up from a nap, and I had a brilliant idea. I know exactly what we're going to do, and I'm not going to tell you what we're going to do until it happens. <laughs> so I'm like, you don't need any stats, just D20. That's it. And I just described the scene of one of the characters um, in their backstory's resurrection through one of the Amber Temples kind of. I guess uh, boons or gifts. Yeah, dark, dark gifts. gifts, dark powers. Mm-hmm. So I described that, and then we had talked about it earlier during one of my like upkeep meetings with everybody, mm-hmm. and we got into it. But like, I wanted to put a story to what we talked about. So we together we created how they or the player described us how it act, how they would react to each of these scenes that I put in front of them, and as well as just kind of figure out where they go, how do we end up? And I knew at the end of the session, I needed to be at a certain location to send a spell 
from what they did like two sessions ago. So that was what I was bringing to this game. And it was fun. And I was going to focus on one, but then I'm like, the other person's going to get boring. So I decided to make it so like kind of move with each other. So like this cart splashed a puddle into his face. And then with that, I made a scene change from <laughs> that a wave crashing into a boat and then the spritz of like water kind of like getting onto the other character's face. Ah, so that was my, cool. <laughs> yeah, that was that. my transitions. And I was like bouncing them both and back. And I was trying to make sure that each individual had their time with those, that character. So for Joseph's character, I, um, we did his uncle who he doesn't know about. He doesn't know where he is. So I'm like, I, and I had alluded to something. I want to say like eight sessions ago, what happened. So in this session, we got into what actually happened and where he's at currently. Joseph's character doesn't know, but Joseph thought, I didn't even think too much into it. I would just let you do it, but I was so glad that I got to actually experience it. Um, but yeah, captain of a ship, they're uh, smugglers. They had a, a job kind of gone wrong and a ancient treasure that would kind of cross worlds was on the boat and there was actually the experiment to see what actually would happen to the ship if it was on the ship um so joseph's father i had to make up characters on the spot because he's like joseph started asking questions i'm like that's the first mate what's his name mm, uh, Derek. and he's like who's it this guy it. no dritz to warden no mm, no Rat. that's not it <laughs> that's copyrighted uh and I was like, he's like, oh, yeah. How about uh, Desrin, which was his character's name's Ezrin. I'm like, no, no, no. I'll think of something else. <laughs> but it was it was a good experience. I had to, you know, improve my improv game as well as they got to try out a different character with like no stats, but still enjoying their time with it. Um, so every time something happened, I kind of swished it back to the other person wherever they would be like i would time hop them that way it's not like okay how many feet do you go or anything like they go to this district they go to that district because of smells and mostly it was like a lot of water because of the pirate stuff and uh hearing songs those were the cues for me to switch over and that like how is that connected to water deep oh the the like the jig that they're singing at that moment is the same one that's going on in the bar at water deep and that's how I kind of connected them back and forth. Man, that's really, using really like fun. sensory cues like that for scene transitions is awesome. I mean, it feels like I see that a lot in TV shows. Right. You know, that's that's definitely something I'm going to put in my quiver a little more deliberately. That's really yeah. cool, man. It was, so how, it was fun. How did they act differently compared you, you mentioned that like the quiet guy got a little more into role playing. But like, was there was there any any behaviors you saw emerge? Well, Joseph plays to his character, okay? So wisdom was not high stat for um, Ezrin, but, and strength was a low stat for Ezrin. But for this guy, he was, I think, a little bit more smarter than um, uh, Ezrin, but played as like a brute. So he was, you know, he put on that kind of mask and that personality and how he thought his, you know, high charisma kind of, character like you have to have that charisma to be a captain of the ship so he put that down in front and it was really fun interacting making sure all his mates were kind of like make sure they're safe he was like because he rolled like a nat one and i'm like this is a dream sequence i'm gonna make sure this goes well so he crashes against the side of a wit because a wave hit and just but he rolled a nat 20 the next round so he just instead of like flying off the ship and him having to get help he just kind of did this maneuver he's like he knew know your ship it's like the back of your hand and you just flip right back and slide and it's getting you know exactly where the the crease of the wood and all that stuff is and you kind of slide right back where you need to go and it was just a beautiful moment for the other individual uh pink his character was his um love interest um i'm gonna say it wrong it's the name of a flower um azimuths uh dang it Oh, these backstories. Um, it's like this yellow flower and Pink's love interest. He had um, yellow scales. So like I started describing that as like, oh, fuck, I can't believe we're doing this right now. You're bringing my love interest back to life. Fuck you, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I didn't know like the personality of this individual. So I kind of tested what happens when someone rude kind of interacts with you. What happens when someone nice interacts with you? 
what happens when the authority comes around um, and what happens when you come to something familiar, but for some reason your memory is not recalling it. Um, So I, I kind of like, I was also like probing out how this character would be. And he was like, well, this is what Asmus would do. And this is what Asmus would do. And in creating that person from, I don't, I feel like they already know who Asmus was, but like more in depth. Yeah. Um, and that's how they kind of like, you know, provided the roles to be, uh, you know, set. And, you know, each of them ended with the, uh, they've been casted sending messages to both of them. And that's where I ended their, their, this like backstory is when the sending message was sent and they, everyone was revealed that um, like Asmus has lost memory of pink, the love interest. And, Ezrin's uncle had passed out in this other plane, and that's why they can only hear the crashing of rain. So that was fun. That sounds like a real. So not only uh, does like solo play, which I'm a huge advocate. I say solo. What I really mm-hmm. in the same way that people say one shots, which Mike Shea brought up actually, <laughs> uh, like people say one shots and they mean like a short campaign. Um, yeah. even, even though I'm a one shot purist and this better only take one day, um, <laughs> the getting smaller groups, subgroups of, of your main D and D group able to like splinter off and do something else. I feel like that's it. You can't help, but increase player investment just through giving people attention because attention is like, that's kind of the main currency for people like me in D and D anyway. I really like when people are paying attention to me and the stakes are low. Like, you know, I, I was a host at Alamo draft house and getting to like, just, you know, talk about how much I love my favorite movies and how cool they are at first was really scary because I was like, what if I say something stupid in front of everybody? So my heart rate tripled, but, yeah. um, <laughs> You know, that that same kind of just being able to be in such a low stakes environment like role playing, which is why it's so useful in like therapy, it, it, because if you know, it sucks if your character dies, but you're not dead. At least <laughs> there's that. Go ahead. Oh, no, go. Go. Uh, I don't like, know if you heard uh, the last like... episode. <laughs> OK, the last episodes. Go ahead, Alex. Can I just for two seconds throw in the uh, I really miss being a host in Alamo Drafthouse like oh yes so much because I think I did it for like three years. Okay, I'm going to go on a small Alamo Drafthouse related tangent. We started a my wife and I usually when I say we I mean my wife and I um, Anna and I we started a book club for just ourselves we we're going to read dune with other people at alamo draft house just other patrons at alamo draft house and at, what the creative the community manager i think was the title or like creative manager uh at the time whose name was chris who was awesome he or no 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 it was uh it was oh i forget her name i should remember it anyway <laughs> oops oops it was she up. reached her out to name? us and was like yeah her Avery? name was it was Avery. Yes, it was Avery. Uh, a- Avery, who I think is a school teacher now. She went back to teaching. Yeah. So she yeah. she was a teacher, moved and did Alamo and then went back to teaching. Yeah. Avery, she, Avery hooked us up with like Robert Saucedo and yeah. all those folks. And we uh, ended up doing this thing in some official capacity. And then they were like, you guys are already presenting movies for book club. Cause we'd read the book and then watch the movie. That was the shtick. So let's get you into just the host host program in general. And it was awesome. Anyway, I love Alamo draft house. It's back in Lubbock starting in September. And, uh, we might be able to get to host again. Anyway, group dynamics. So not only is the group, uh, well, you know, when you break it off into smaller subgroups, when you split the party, which, you know, ah, don't split the party. Oh, no. When you split the party, you get to highlight people in a way that usually goes uninterrupted. And it can happen a lot in D&D where you're trying to give somebody their big moment. And there's another character who's just bored. And maybe you have like eight players and they're like, I'm going to cast fireball or uh, I'm going to stab the NPC they're talking to. And not always like super destructive 
kind of uh, misanthropic things, but usually, yeah, disruptive things to get attention. And when you just have two people, like people tend to wait their turn. So not only is there that, but the other sort of really cool part of switching up the group dynamic, of breaking into subgroups, is that I'm going to act differently around my wife and her dad than I am around just Anna. I'm going to act differently around my wife and her brother or any and or like she has three brothers i'm gonna act a little bit differently she's gonna act a little bit different around each brother they're gonna act differently based on who's present so there's like you know if you take a group of like six people you've got 60 something or more i'm not a mathematician uh <laughs> possible group combinations and each one is going to be subtly or wildly different and how they present themselves and how they view themselves in the situation, like what they think of their role as, you know, I'm sure you, you remember when you're a kid and you're hanging out with one parent, you know, you're hanging out with the, the parent that's like a little gentler, whatever, whichever parent that might be. And you're going to act a lot differently around them than you are around kind of the more disciplinarian parent. At least that, that was the dynamic in our household. When we were hanging out with mom, it was very like, you know, maybe, I, maybe I'd slip out a little, I'd say, damn or bastard <laughs> and, and she'd give me a look but that was it but i wouldn't do that around dad you know right <laughs> but you know just like the the i would curse in the same way that fire emblem characters curse you know not actually none of the big three <laughs> but it yeah. seeing i feel like it's a real waste if you never learn what all the group dynamics in your group are and if you never get to see those combinations like, you know, uh, most D&D groups end up with some kind of a long-term relationship couple in them because as that just becomes a more frequent occurrence throughout adulthood is that like, you know, fewer people are single. And so I've had groups where it's like, okay, there's these two spouses. And when I split them up, like all of a sudden this one becomes crazy and <laughs> like super like okay not not crazy in a bad way i mean like absolute wildfire like uh i'm gonna transform into a talking bat and try to convince this person that i am strahd von zarovich and that they need to listen to me and like meanwhile when they were playing with their spouse they were very like uh contained and like analytical and planning and their spouse would usually come up with a plan and they would go along with it and being able to see that stuff shine and those dynamics sort of blossom is it's become kind of one of my new like pillars of running a campaign because i love side quests i love being able to make every single character feel like they are the hero in this story in some capacity that they're going to have their season of being in the spotlight that they're going to have their season of you know other people being in the spotlight but that they should have their own objectives and they can approach me and we can go like achieve those objectives. And I have one story in particular that is, is going to be in a video uh, that should be out at this time of this recording being published. Two weeks from now. Yeah. And uh, this player who we will call Bobby, uh, Bobby, Bobby was, I thought going into the campaign was going to be the most invested player. And then when we actually all sat down together, they really didn't have much to say. Uh, smartphones were kind of novel at this point in time, but they, they were looking at their phone all the time and there was really no social protocol for dealing with that. Um, I was still like on my nights and weekends flip phone. So I didn't know how much there could possibly be to look at on a phone screen. And we were playing 3.5, and there was this prestige class they wanted to take called Eldritch Knight, which is a lot of people are familiar with from 5th edition, but it was like a paladin thing. If you wanted to be a paladin of, I think, Mistra, the goddess of arcane magic, or the weave, in 3.5, they needed to, they were like, oh, I want to take this class. And I was like, okay, you want to take that class? Let's go to the Temple of Mistra, and you can go get like ordained. And, and take an oath or whatever. And I really knew that this person liked reading the Dresden files, which I did not know much about at the time. And so I read uh, some sort of TV tropes 
articles and uh, like comic vine battle forums about Harry Dresden. Like there wasn't really much in, the, in terms of wiki. And I read the first book and I was like, all right, so these, this is going to be like the white council. So these are like magic cops. These are, uh, this is an organization who is like, well, there is knowledge that's too dangerous for general access. There are ways that magic shouldn't be used. You know, don't kill mortals with it. Don't uh, consort with outsiders. Don't F around with time. Stuff like that. And they had already broken some of these rules. And so the we had this solo mission. I say solo again. It was them and a, I think another, someone who was already a paladin. Forget the other player, unfortunately. But uh, someone else in the group had accompanied them just to sort of, you know, so they wouldn't get jumped by goblins or whatever on the road to the city with the Temple of Mistra. And they ended up uh, standing trial for the crime that they'd committed and had to swear an oath. And the oath, the, the price of the oath was like, if you break this, your magic's going away. All of your magic, not just your prestige class magic, not just your paladin spell slots that you're going to get. Or your cantrips or whatever. Like you'll you will become, in essence, the same level that you are right now, but a fighter. And it, you know it would be like a paladin breaking their oaths. Right. And they were so into it. They were so into the trial. They were. Re I had like another character from their backstory, like one they're one of their old mentors, uh, write a letter on their behalf as they were sort of imprisoned. For, and you know this side quest was like weeks of downtime in game. Oh wow! So like this, there was like it, it. I was really vibing on like the the part in Chrono Trigger where it's like everyone that you screwed over at the Millennium Fair is like, it took my lunch. What a tool! Um. <laughs> so like all the all the people who had who the he had helped and all the people who he had wronged were all like writing in these letters of like, crucify him or like he's not a bad dude. So uh, that after that moment, it really transformed how. Bobby was the fake name I chose. How Bobby acted <laughs> at the table. I don't want to dox anybody. People are very investigative these days. Oh, yeah. After that, Bobby was like, all of a sudden, this this back, this back little shared backstory we'd created, this shared, like, isolated narrative, became uh, the handle on which they gripped onto the rest of the narrative story. Like they had this like hit list of forbidden lore that they were supposed to look, look for and like contain. They had a, uh, you know, these rules that they were supposed to follow and they were like, you know, couldn't necessarily enforce them on the party. That wasn't the nature of the relationship between them and the temple, but they were, like, I'm not, I can't partake in this. So we had to find some creative loopholes. And that was, that was, they were way into finding creative loopholes. Like they were, a, they were a power gamer. They created these, you know, this this build that was ostensibly at first just for some kind of mechanical advantage of like arcane and divine magic uh, and later became, you know, the narrative seat for them in the campaign. And that's that was the first time where I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> playing with someone alone and seeing them sort of in their comfort zone, putting them in their element is that should be happening and it can't always necessarily happen in a large group or with everyone present. And right. since then I've used it in, I try to use it in every game. So I wanted to ask like, how long does that take in um, like you said, you, the solo mission, it was him and one other Bobby and one other individual. Was this just because that's who was available okay. or did we'll say everyone... it was Bobby and Hank? Uh, yeah. It was, so, Hank. it was like, I was, I think we were, I was at like the library and this and i was just gonna run with bobby and and hank was like oh damn it bobby can i come too <laughs> that's okay diet um, <laughs> and so uh, i got to play with bobby and hank and hank was just there to provide like uh eventually testimony mm -hmm. on this on the would-be uh eldritch knight's behalf and it was, uh, yeah, I think it was just happenstance. Like, I, I, you know, we didn't really, I think we had, like, a email group that we used. I, it's rem remembering past technology is so, like, it's like, wow, we really used to just, like, <laughs> write, write letters. Yeah, <laughs> we used to just write on the same cave wall and <laughs> hope that someone else found my message. <laughs> 
I was just thinking about how we used to navigate the world without Google Maps. And for two seconds, I was like, how the fuck did anybody get anywhere? Yeah, you because... have like a little panic attack about like, <laughs> how do you even yeah, find it? Did you just like, know? I need to I need to get gas. Hopefully it's soon. <laughs> Hopefully there's a gas right? station soon. And that, you know, that's, I used to know my way around town a lot better before I started using Google Maps or or uh MapQuest before right. or TomTom or any of the the elder names. Um, I could, but like my parents knew how to like they knew where the major interstates like where they went. There was no I fear. Have... I feel I have fear. <laughs> yeah. I have fear in Dallas. I'm like I I think I know where 20 goes. I'm I have an idea that 30 is a place I can be, but like where that is in relation to anything no who's to say that knowledge is lost right. o- only siri knows <laughs> i just remember like okay you got to print out your instructions before you go to De- uh, lubbock and i'm like okay oh my god yeah so i would like print out if, if i was driving with just my dad speaking of group dynamics so like my mom <laughs> was always the navigator because mm-hmm. she, she's she's really good at like multitask she's adhd uh she was really good at multitasking and like engaging all her cognitive uh burners on her mental oven and as long as she had like a bunch of things to do at once so she didn't like driving so she liked she's sitting chewbacca in the sitting shotgun and navigating and whenever it was just me and my dad going somewhere out of town that job fell to me and i hate it's like holding the flashlight for your dad fixing the car like <laughs> that, that same kind of like i'm gonna get yeah. in trouble if i do something wrong so i I'd, he'd be like where's my turn and i'm like shuffling through map quest like i don't know how are we gonna get to the christian rock festival if i miss a turn <laughs> those were odd times indeed for sure for sure even when technology would work or like get better it's like would it work though there we go that's what i'm trying to say <laughs> and i just remember my mom just freaking out like it's taking forever to re reroute and i'm like i guess i'm stuck playing my ds for a little bit longer uh-oh okay. looks like pokemon <laughs> platinum's gonna take front seat for a little while <laughs> <laughs> but yeah even but that like- even that group dynamic of like just being alone with a different parent in the car like you're a different a different facet of yourself is For coming sure. forward like i definitely couldn't just hang out and play game boy advanced sp at my grandparents because they're right. like what is that read a go outside read a book tell us a story we're gonna tell you stories <laughs> about olden times when everything was much better definitely had different dynamics because my mom would freak out and my dad was just really you know a little bit more relaxed but my mom's like hit the brakes hit the brakes hit the brakes i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> but I was asleep in the back of the car and we were at the, the DFW airport and traffic was just crazy. And my mom said, wake up, you're going to die. <laughs> and I never slept again. <laughs> yep. Well, now I'm like, why wake up? Why wake me up at all? <laughs> Meanwhile, my dad probably would have been like, just quietly like, damn. Dang it. Oof. Oof. It's gonna hurt. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> so when you said like talking going back to group dynamics, I kept thinking of like episodes of like a series where like two 100%. characters try to interact with each other and it's like yes. well I never really thought about that. And you know, maybe my players haven't even thought about that. What is their group dynamic with other individuals? They know their role as in the group. But what is their role when it's not the group? And I absolutely think, like, it's something that I also think I should probably explore, especially, like, if there's going to be, like, oh, people aren't going to make it for X amount of weeks on these different days. Like, okay, well, I'm going to try to wrap up this group session to then try to explore these dynamics in its own uh, fashion, which would then bring them even, like, closer together or, like, have their own unique experiences absolutely i mean yeah like bart and lisa when they're around their parents they're, they're trying to one-up each other and tattle on each other and be the favorite but when they're alone there's like some of the you know there's a lot of episodes of the simpsons of like that's the heart of the show is that these characters bonds while they're alone right 
um, exactly. with, without the stress of the group. Because maintaining a group dynamic in a large group is stressful. It uh-huh. is a very demanding process for for some people more than others for some people it's easy to act like themselves in front of a lot of people most of Mm -hmm. those people end up on tv uh for the rest of us plebeians it's a matter of like okay i don't want to i got to remember all the rules i don't want to upset this person by talking about this it's thanksgiving you know right like uh, uncle i can't use the name bobby again uncle doug julio uncle julio well, uh, you know, if I talk about being vaccinated, he's going to start off on his rant. But Aunt, Aunt Pfizer invented the vaccine. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's like you know, you got to remember like which topics to avoid. What, um, even like what what are people's behavioral triggers? Like, oh, if I do this, this person's going to maybe do something that's really attention seeking. Mm-hmm. Um, as a DM, like. I've got to remember to reward this type of behavior from this person and penalize this type of behavior because otherwise everything's going to get all out of whack. And it's a lot less stressful as the DM, which is a pretty big bonus. If you're, you know, just running for one or two people out of the group and you're getting to know them a little bit better and you're getting to know what they like about the game a little bit better because not everyone's really upfront with what they like, not everyone knows what they really like not everyone not every dm knows what kind of game they like to run you know some of us will just watch critical role and be like yeah i'm gonna do that then we try it and we're like this is not fun or fulfilling <laughs> yeah uh, yeah there's a lot of like they've got their acting chops they 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 put on a character and then when you try to bring that energy to the table they're like i'm not i'm not good at that i just want to hit things and like i like and now at this point i'm like yeah of course let's just go fucking hit things okay if that's what you want that's what you get uh <laughs> but like you know everyone's experience is going to be unique to this game for sure well yeah and especially if you're talking about group dynamics and playing with a group for a while like everybody has their learned role once you remove you know the fighter once you remove the big rp'er once you take those you know people out that whole dynamic has to change because the person that maybe you've been using as a crutch to like hide behind is now, is now gone. You know, you've got to rely on yourself or whoever's left to push that forward. And I think part of it is trying to create the same level of storytelling that you have with the whole group, with that little group. But then that means you have to fill in different roles of those that are missing. So I think I've experienced that because our first run of Tales From had an entirely different cast and an entirely different storyline. And we lost a couple of of critical players. And I found my, I'm playing the same character as I did, you know, for six hours of recording time with new people. And, you know, the first first hour of us playing i'm just like i this role feels familiar i think i know what i'm doing but like it sounds weird and i'm not confident i'm not actually as confident as i was at the end of a six hour recording session and i haven't even really given it much thought from the perspective of what you just brought up which is like if (laughs) if the tank is gone and you're used to someone else taking all the damage like even from a mechanical standpoint like that's going to change how everyone interacts with the game. Even if it's just like, okay, today the druids, the tank, they're going to weld shape. But like, and that is some people, you know, there's like the Ludo, the ludic narrative, the Ludo narrative blend, which is like uh, kind of a, was the only buzzword in gaming for about 10 years. But the idea that the story we're creating, which is by interacting with the game, which is made of stuff that's ostensibly on our character sheet, a lot of what happens in D&D is not on the character sheet. But, you know, uh, I, so your tool proficiencies are going to inform the opportunities that you look for to, like, you know, if, if you have Mason's tools, you're going to be like, can I fix this with masonry? <laughs> you know, there's always the player that's like, I have my alchemy supplies. Can I use the dragon fang to make a poison? And those, when all those tool sets are mixed up or some of them are missing, the the levers, the buttons that everyone has to push uh, to interact with the game become fewer 
And the fewer options there are, the more likely we're going to see more of those options. And that's, I mean, that, that's just like a tool. Uh, that's a fun toy box that I want to play with as a DM. Like, how are you guys, you know, I'm in a Curse of Strahd campaign right now as a player, which is, you know, I'm kind of like the uh, the Gandalf of the group and that I have all this knowledge that I'm not really going to share with them outright because, and, and the DM knows that I've, I've run this, you know, every Halloween since I was like 15 and uh, that I've run a long Curse of Strahd campaign. I've run short Curse of Strahd campaigns. I have a video about all of Strahd stat blocks in the last 40 years, um, which you can watch if you want. It's on my YouTube channel. It's called 40 years of Strahd, I think, but um, go check it out. Last session. Stop, stop right here. Go check it out. Okay. Well, yeah. You'll finish your, finish the rest of the episode. At least get to the. At least get to the anchor ad. Um, <laughs> listen to the anchor ad first. Right now. Right now. Right now. We're doing right now. Yeah. Ad break. Boom. Uh, but our, you know, our druid was gone last night, and uh, even that, our druid it was the only healer in the group. We're very smart. <laughs> That was like, we're going to make less risky decisions. So we became a more cautious party. And that in itself, I think that's the simplest expression, which I'm really glad you brought that up, Alex, because those two, those two neurons hadn't connected in my head. <laughs> that's the simplest expression of like a change in group dynamics. But it goes, it also goes like way, way, way deeper than that. You know, you, you, all of our shared experiences, the whole point of having like, a diverse group is so that group is as as resilient and as experienced as possible. It makes for the best kind of group in any scenario. And so that diversity is going to shine even more the smaller the group is. And once once you see that stuff, you can't unsee it. You can't unlearn your players like strengths and and uniqueness. And so you're carrying it with you back to the main table. And it's this like beautiful Ouroboros of synergy that keeps repeating forever and ever and ever. And I can't advocate like side quests, I guess is a really good way to refer to them. I can't advocate side quests enough because everyone has something that isn't shining, that isn't out around everyone else. And I think you should probably find out what it is as a DM. Yeah. And even thinking about my students, you know, when I have the spotlight students gone, it becomes a very different class. Or if I'm pulling small groups, you know, you get to see where some of those more quiet or reserved students are really shining. And if you're changing the dynamic, then you're getting to see different sides of people's personalities. And that's, that's a lot of fun to see, you know, especially I'm very sarcastic folks. to like one-on-one. -on -one. Oh my God. The kids are so great. <laughs> But in a big group, I know that I am definitely going to have a little more authority. I am stronger. I am more clear in my decision making. Once you pull my safety net of other people around, I'm very sarcastic. I'm very insecure, you know, because then all eyes are on me. And just so you know, all eyes on me is a trigger for me because my students say all eyes on you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was from Bo Burnham's Inside. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. That's, I kept thinking about that. Cheaper than therapy. <laughs> Is it, though? Is it? That's the price, but what's the cost? Uh... Yeah, there's no substitute for therapy. Uh, that's, uh, that is not my... <laughs> my, not. my official stance is not go, go watch Bo Burnham instead of going to therapy. Bo Burnham is Although not watching a board-certified may... psychologist. No. Not, he may not. send you into therapy. That's true. <laughs> Which can be an important journey. <laughs> right. No, I watched it. I watched the the special, right? Mm -hmm. And I tweeted about it because, like, legitimately, I watched it and I was like, oh, this is so funny. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. All of these are from, you know, I've heard all these songs through TikTok. And then you watch the evolution of what he was going through or, you know, what he was recording going through. And I was like, that that was me that okay so maybe i need to go talk to somebody about you know what happened in my isolation in the pandemic because where i saw the the joy and fun and i wonder i wonder if that's a difference in like 
I don't know if just people haven't stopped to listen to the whole thing mm-hmm. you know, yeah. from start to beginning or start to end and really seen what it does to be removed from your loved ones and family. Um, because I, like I said, I, I heard all the songs from TikTok. I love them. I will listen to them individually, but putting them all together and watching that emotional journey, I was like, oh shit, this is real. Yeah, there's a reason that coming out of like isolation that I'm now obsessed with group dynamics. I'm like, I want to spend time with everyone in every possible combination. You know, we're going to have special Discord channels for every possible permutation, <laughs> like side quests and stuff. I mean, yeah, absolutely. We are all freaking traumatized. And if you're not, you are very lucky. <laughs> if you got if you got out of 2020 without some amount, I feel, I feel like people are forgetting the year happened. Like, not literally, like, a fugue state, but, like, I'll be saying, like, oh, my wife and I have been married for two years. Well, there was a third year in there, actually. It was called 2020. Um, Or, like, <laughs> oh, we haven't met since last year's. Well, that was two years ago. Or, and other people are making it count twice. Like, I haven't seen you in two years. It's like, well, we actually saw each other last August. It's just been a really long year. That It was right. a really long decade this last year. It's, uh, yeah, it's I mean. Else. nobody got out unscathed from that thanks 2021 thank you personal pan pizza you're welcome adrian i love you (laughs) Uh, you know every every pizza is a personal pan pizza if you really try hard enough all i gotta say yeah if you eat it out of a pan Mm -hmm. what Um, kind of pan though does it matter the great god pan (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh no i used the pantheon Fudge. oh <laughs> oh man what were we talking about dynamics right dynamics yep. man this is definitely where the ad break goes <laughs> no the ad break goes where the ad break we talked about just try to hook that pizza sponsorship man have you brand synergy a pizza from flying jays today's the day it's calling to you go to that Today truck stop go it's get gonna it. be the day that you're gonna get some flying jays <laughs> and flying uh, jays will of course where you guys are getting pizza uh frozen today. <laughs> i just i just drive 200 miles to the nearest flying jays truck stop and it's nice and cold by the time i get home and you know what yeah. i wouldn't have it any other way Nice and cold. Experience of heating up. You do, and everyone knows that reheating pizza is the best part of eating it. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Okay, hold on. I found out my family was weird. Oh yeah. Um, my family leaves if we have pizza. We leave our pizza sitting out overnight to eat it in the morning. Like not refrigerated. Yeah. Well, you're still alive, Alex. So. I mean, yeah, but usually it's just like a veggie pizza, so it's not like pepperoni. Well, okay, yeah, well, so it, so there's it may be pepperoni. <laughs> so we're we're entering that like between forty and one forty danger zone that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. food service employees are so familiar with. However, I'm gonna be real with you. When I live by myself, very rarely did pizza go into the refrigerator. So there, it was like it, we use like the butter dish mentality of of pizza. I say yeah. we, me alone. <laughs> me and uh one of a few pets i've definitely yeah i've had the the next morning countertop pizza that's you know just pop up in the box your banana pepper still in there and everything well the banana pepper didn't make it through the night so i'm not you know <laughs> i'm not necessarily advocating it but i'm not i'm not forbidding it either oh, yeah. yeah i never i didn't realize that, that was a thing that I worked in food service. Let me just make that caveat. I understand food not sitting out. I mistakenly ate pad thai that had sat out all night and regretted every decision <laughs> at a convention. Can we talk about that? How did that? Wait. I was at a. I oh god, we it was a it was a lot. There's a lot going on, but I ate the pad thai in the morning for breakfast. I feel like your immune it. system is just like ten percent capacity when you go to a convention. I've never made it oh through a gosh. convention without getting like some rare illness. Crud. Yeah, the con crud. 
you can yeah. tell that a, a convention is like like when Lubbock Con finally got big enough to to sustain itself. I was like, oh, I got sick this time. Looks like <laughs> it's gonna stick around. It's a real convention now. I got some <laughs> weird respiratory virus. I always took the day off since I worked those two days, you know, from open to close. I always took the next day off because there was no way I was gonna make it. I was gonna die. You're just gonna be. I never got sick though. Well, I didn't talk to people, and that's the thing is that I I wasn't there to. I was there to work, you know, make sure the costume contest put itself together. Whatever. Standing on stage. All eyes on Don't you. Don't do that. <laughs> Get more insight of what Alex did on our Lubbockon episode. Yeah. It's like, like referring to a past comic. <laughs> <laughs> See Avengers. Mighty Avengers issue 47 if you want to learn about what Spider-Man just said about that lunch he ate. <laughs> I'll never do that again. When what I was a kid, do? that would freak me out. I'd be like, there's no way I'm going to track down <laughs> Uncanny <laughs> X-Men number 27. How am I going to learn about this love triangle? This, this one line they said. Yeah, about like, uh, this is like that time we fought those snakes. I gotta know about the snakes. <laughs> For sure. Apparently it was like... it's sold comics. So maybe I should oh. do that in, in YouTube videos. Like, right <laughs> see this i mean that's kind of yeah there's like the thumbnail pop-ups right right that already right. happens but that's actually the built other thing into would be like <laughs> <laughs> just doing half an episode and then the other half of another episode just in one youtube video you gotta go on a different channel first <laughs> yeah be like if here's you wanna... my pitch okay i'm ready are you ready a choose your own podcast slash youtube video so as you're playing you get like Okay, you got to this video, or you got to this point. You can either go to this video at this timestamp, or you can go to this video at this timestamp. And then it's just like an absolute monster and mess of beauty and insanity. So I've actually written some choose your own adventure literature, ghost written, I guess. NDA. Um, NDA. NDA. I allegedly have written <laughs> some someone who isn't me has written some choose your own adventure for a company I can't talk about. But um, the I, I really would enjoy writing like a okay here's the the ADHDM choose your own adventure and it like travels through uh, like other channels. So like you know if you want to oh no it's the Yeti. You got to go back to the video you watched on Dungeons and Degrees YouTube channel to, <laughs> to to get a different ending. Like I would be way into that. Sounds like a lot of fun. And I unironically am on board and I'm going to ask you about this every week, Alex. We're going to make it happen. No, I look. I just here to pitch the idea. I'm not here to put no, it in practice. You don't just get to be an idea person, Alex. You're too important. No, I'm the idea person. <laughs> I don't want to stretch stretch from the idea person yeah stretch my my role in the group adrian this whole episode has been talking about dynamic. changing dynamics in the group which means you have so to learn that's why skills. we gotta get the alex and skyler episode that's right. the lesson that's we need. that's that's the takeaway here adrian that's get true. out of here bye uh, i can't i can't leave it'll stop recording uh, adrian. <laughs> <laughs> adrian don't go share another anecdote about group dynamics i was running dnd for company name redacted but it was all these uh, employees of a company and i was approached by someone in that company to run their game and we did a lot of solo stuff and one was like these two play it, i was kind of running Waterdeep dragon heist and i was also kind of running um the what's that big money cook city the city by the spire whatever that's called Fultus, maybe I think so. anyway so i was, it was like a mishmash of all these like urban fantasy campaigns that i really liked um and there was one part where it was, it was this mercenary company that was going you know they all split off to investigate their own leads for who the uh where the missing the world's greatest detective dupont silver scale where he disappeared to and all the noble families and, and powers that be in the city were suspected. So everyone split off to do their own investigation. 
And one of my favorite sessions that I ran was this side quest where the tiefling bard and the human uh, warlock swashbuckler rogue went to an opera and they like totally decked out their outfits. They're both women. So they, they their attention to detail and like the kind of game that they enjoyed running was different than like when they were also around the dragonborn cleric guy and the elven ranger who are all like grim dark combat you know what is my destiny what is my fate they were like we're, we're going to self-actualize through our characters by talking about how we're going to present ourselves at this opera and like the warlock had masked many faces so she just had total agency and control over every aspect of her personality and she was a noble woman from a family that she didn't want to like talk about so she was doing this cool incognito thing and the social tension of that and it did eventually you know the the cult or the the um the opera uh accidentally used a real ritual to summon a demon in one of the songs and so they summoned a demon and it, it did end in combat but that for for the most part and then they went to the after party because you know they leapt from their seats in the balcony and fought the demon off and it was really cool but um Afterwards, they went to this after party where they got to be like, oh, you, how quaint. You're the heroes that vanquish the demon. That's very fine. Um, good, good show. You know, all these <laughs> all these nobles who are like, that was a really cool part of that play. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just seeing them in that environment where normally, you know, we were crawling through the dungeons. We were trying to negotiate larger deals. And even though the warlock was kind of the party face seeing them alone with this other character and then and then they develop like a battle sister friendship and there was you know and they're, they're making inside jokes about this opera that they went to in the main game it was uh it really turned a key in my heart and unlocked some a part of that game and a, a an aspect of that game that I wouldn't have been able to enjoy otherwise if we had just done full group play and canceled every time someone couldn't play I think yeah, that's really cool. Did, did, was it like? Sorry, I, 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 my head's spinning, spinning for a second. Sorry, All dude. Right, I wanted to ask. Yeah, pizza flu. <laughs> All I see is three point one four. Let it sit out for Only Ninja Turtles are immune. <laughs> um, I had played with a group of individuals that I had never played with, and I had a similar encounter of like you know gotta dress up to the nines it's gonna be great um and we're gonna go try to steal this treasure that this underground i guess auction's gonna sell off as a prize heist baby heist exactly and i had never done anything like this and i had never played with these individuals before so it was ready for everything and they got into character they started playing off each other it was really great all the nat 20s from like the the meekest character and they were all strength checks and like I don't, I don't know if I can do this and just like pops a box open with their <laughs> bare hands and she's like, oh, you love to see it. To yeah, like they have a negative one to to strength and they're still just doing the strongest moves, rolling nat twenties on everything. They're like the things. mom lifting the car to <laughs> save the kid. Yeah, right. Um, and it was it was wonderful, um, but I think me having experiencing a new dynamic because i've only been playing with like with this group for like a year and a half and that's it i'm like well, this is cool it's reminding me of how you know how more malleable i need to be also how more how much more aware i need to be when watching what they do in order to provide them with the most fun that they, can, they can have um and it was my first time ever running a one shot and it only being within a three hour uh limit was that at a con no, it was actually it was uh like two weeks ago or one week ago, um, with this group of individuals that I had met over TikTok. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, it's cool. I really love DMing for new groups all the time. Um, it's really DMing the same group over and over where I kind of get burned out, and I think that's because a part of the juice for me of DMing, or of being the kind of administrator of any group is getting to know people and, you know, falling in love with everybody a little bit, really 
getting to see sides of people and D D does this almost like nothing else I, tabletop role playing in general where people are self-actualizing they're creating some token of themselves and you cannot help but put a little piece of yourself in there even if it's like an inversion of a piece of yourself even if you're like this character is going to be nothing like me that's still saying something about yourself and people sharing that with you is beautiful and uh, getting getting to see that with a new group of people is that's my favorite way to meet people. If the first time that we ever meet is like rolling dice and playing D and D together, like we're probably going to be friends for a really long time. Yeah, for sure. And that's how we met. That's how we met Adrian. Here we are <laughs> a long time Alex, later. <laughs> yeah. It's been years. Nine years. Yeah. Draft house. I think so. It was with a uh, bleep. Yeah. yeah, it was with Bobby. Nope, not um. <laughs> Peggy Hill. It was with Peggy, Peggy Hill. We were actually transported to Mike Judge's D and D campaign. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I totally see that, and I enjoyed it having that new dynamic, and also gave me confidence that, hey, now that you're you've done one shots like five or six times, and Finally, this last time you kind of get the picture of what you need to yeah. do. Um, maybe you can do it for a con or something like that in the future. So I'm excited. One thing I learned from playing a lot in different group dynamics is that when I was just DMing for like six years and then played my first game in a long time, I was kind of a shitty player. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was really, uh, I was like really just solution oriented. Like, mm -hmm. to me, it wasn't about, like, I had been watching all this time with these players, like, solving problems in very roundabout ways. So my analytical right. brain had built this whole narrative of, like, well, if I was playing in this game, this is what I would have done. Because, you know, I've always had all the answers. Mm -hmm. And so at, like, to 19 or 20, um, I played in some campaigns where I really took a lot of agency away from everyone else in, like, uh, secretly meeting with another NPC to, like, broker a deal or oh I, I, while everyone's sleeping i'm gonna go take that artifact or whatever and, and, and make a wish with it or while everyone else mm -hmm. is voting on the wish and uh if that sounds like it sucked to play with i'm almost certain it did nobody told me to get the hell out of there but um hindsight's 2020 so <laughs> i've gotten i've tried to be a lot more mindful about being a good player and one of those one of the tools that's helped me do that and believe it or not, in the last 10 years, I've grown a little bit. One of the tools that's helped me do that is trying to understand everyone's needs within a group and whether I'm DMing or playing, facilitating those needs being met. And that's one of my needs is, you know, being the being the support character. And it took mm -hmm. a while to learn that because I wasn't satisfied by this by this weird like problem solving, like just trying to solve it like a video game puzzle type of play. Yeah, I think it's it's been a while since i played and i feel that like my role in every game is trying like i think the last time i played after like dming for so long i think i did the same thing i'm like no one's moving the plot forward i'll do it like they're just dicking around and having fun and a good time no 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 we gotta move forward no, i'm gonna like, back dm yeah really um <laughs> uh, so i i it totally resonates with me too. <laughs> That's how I get that a hundred percent. But yeah, uh, I think that, you know, I guess to wrap this up group dynamics, I need to explore more. I need to see like what these pairs do. I, I don't know what I'm, I'm picturing, but like when there's like a, some fighting game or some sort of strategy game where you like, you put a certain characters together and they make this certain team and they have like their own team title. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's just like in the back of my head and like they do a cool combo when they're all together. Yeah, Or even like a fighting game where someone has it like, uh, if Goku and Vegeta are fighting, they'll talk about each other. They're like, hello, Kakarot. Hello, Vegeta. <laughs> and you're like, wow, it's special and unique. <laughs> oh yeah. Like unique dialogue lines. Yeah. 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 <laughs> unique dialogue. That's what we need. We need unique dialogue between our characters. We need to bring some <laughs> unique dialogue to the table. Stop saying I'm going to go in a rage all the time. Let's say something else. Let's do something else. I'm going to protect you angrily. Yeah. I don't know. Because of what <laughs> happened before. 
<laughs> Ragnar. But yeah, I, I'm excited to t- try that out. Uh, definitely not in this game. I'm trying to wrap it up because I want to make some new homebrew game that I'm going to start streaming. But to be honest, I'm looking at how much work I got ahead of me. It might be another three months. <laughs> Almost done with Curse of Strahd. Hey, well, you did just interview Mike Shea, and Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master is mm-hmm. a... That's like the Bible. For, <laughs> for he, I don't think I don't think he would agree, but um, yeah, it's like it's like a singular piece of literature that you can get dogmatic about and get some very serious results. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Anything left, Alex? Uh, Skylar, my undying love to you always. Me? Yeah. And Adrian, you're okay. Yeah, I've always, I've always thought that right. about you, Adrian. Hey, you know what? That's good enough for me. Huh? Let's keep going. <laughs> oh, he's he slipped into character. He's protecting himself. <laughs> I put up the walls. This voice. Hey, put up the walls. Bada bing, bada boom. Pizza time. Okay. <laughs> Gabagool. Gabagool. This is. <laughs> Gabagool. I know y'all are being stereotyped, right? Like I get it, but part of me just wants to go watch the fifth element based on your accents and i don't know why i mean i know why sort of but like the fifth element is what i want to go watch right see, now see I, my friends sent me a compilation video of in a long time. of tony soprano saying the word gabagool and he's just like holding <laughs> packs of meat and just walking around eating it <laughs> <laughs> So that's why Gabagool. Yeah, I didn't stuck even know that. The, the Gabagool. I just thought Gabagool was like a that you were just like lampshading a stereotype. <laughs> it's it. They showed it to me, and I'm like, I've never watched this series ever, but this is gold. <laughs> yeah, the I don't Sopranos get it. Is pretty freaking good. Cold take. The Sopranos is a good TV show, and you should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> It's like some cold people's whole identity. Those... <laughs> as cold as this gabagool in my hand. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, I need a microwave. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, we have fun here. We have fun. I'm, I'm hurting on side. Alex hurt my feelings. <laughs> it's good to get that out. Yep. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. If only there was a counselor. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can... If there is only thing, something you could do. Which there's going to be a counselor on Skylar's episode coming up sooner or later down the line, wherever it yeah, may land. I will have a video with Dr. Megan Connell, who is like an unrelenting force for good. She is, she uses Dungeons and Dragons and role playing as a part of her practice in her clinic. And uh, that's if that's not the coolest damn thing you've ever heard, then you're dead inside. <laughs> Absolutely. See, she's putting in practice what we talk about and pretend like we don't like it's a new novel thing. So we're like paladins, and she's like the deity that's putting out the energy and the source. We're taking like oaths of usual playing games to feel better, and she's generating that power and research. We must keep her alive. Yeah. I've personally thwarted 10 assassins. That's not true. Amazing. Good on you. That's... 15. A little, a little yeah. less amazing. I underplayed it. Story, though. You did. You got us. <laughs> Here's the thing. They all attack together. No big deal. Ooh, shit. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of assassins. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Gotta okay. love it. Gotta love it. Uh, I, I, don't, I think I said all I gotta say. All right, let's get this rolling then. Um, oh, plug. Hey, plug your things. You can find me at the ADHDM. That's my YouTube channel, Skylar the ADHDM. You can find me at the underscore ADHDM on Instagram, at Skylar Springer on Twitter. And uh, if you find me in real life and you do have a sword, just pass me a sword too, so it's a fair fight. And yeah. That's all I got. I've, I've got a video that'll tie into this episode coming up, uh, talking a little bit more about group dynamics and uh, the the fabled Bobby and the erstwhile Hank. Awesome. Thank you for listening. All right, Alex. 
Well, I'm going to say it again because Skylar took my line. <laughs> Thank you, dear listener, for li- joining us for another episode of Dungeons and Degrees. You can find us wherever pods are cast. Um, please rate and subscribe to us on Apple or wherever you're listening to this. Um, share us with your friends. Share us with your family. Share us with your therapist. That would be great. Thank you. Um, Thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. We love you a lot. If you want to join the ranks of these beautiful subscribers, feel free to find us on the Patreon. Um, You can also join us on Discord. Ask any questions you want as we slowly whittle down our critical role list of people. It's not critical role. It's not critical. It's dimension 20. (laughs) Uh, Which is but another step uh, on the road know. to critical role. That's right. <laughs> we'll get there. No. Don't worry. It's the second week of school. That's my excuse. Kay, love you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. My name's Adrian. And I'm Alex. I'm Skylar. Go have some fun. Bye.